previously on Storyological. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my pick. My pick. My pick this week. My pick for this week is Seasons of Glass and Iron. Venus Effect. When it changed. Sabbath Wine. Pop up. All right, so my pick this week, The Debutante by Leonora Carrington. The Boy Who Never Cried For Me by Juliana Delgado Lepera. Eduardo Goligorsky. Alice Eleanor Jones. By Gillian Tamaki. By E. Lily Yu. Amber Sparks. Kathleen Collins. Camilla Gradova. My pick for this week is uh, My Friend Jana from Emily Carroll's collection Through the Woods. How many days do you think in our lives do we talk about Oxford commas? That's the thing they say in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> really, I have better fish to eat, my friend. Yeah. Sometimes readers, I worry about what is in Chris's heart. I hope it's got a screen. Oh, shiny. You're such a disturbing boy. Should we put in anything about hello, hello, Strange Horizons? I think we should definitely put in this part where we debate whether or not <laughs> we should say anything. There's no grace in... in, in oh, no, 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 there's no, no salvation. Love can be ignorant and love can be naive, but those are the things that I love best, is the things where there's sort of like a bedrock of love. I don't think I've ever like articulated that precisely before. Hello, my name is Amal Al-Mahdar. Hi, I'm Joe Hill. My name is Adam Sachs. My name is Sam J. Miller. My name is Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, I am a writer. <laughs> so. Questionnaire. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite word? Thistle. Sandwich. Liminal. Hypnagogic. The word that popped into my head is thrust. What do you wish that you knew more about? Theoretical physics. Language. Philosophy. Every science. What do you wish you knew less about? Um. Hmm. This actually might be my worst nightmare, by the way. <laughs> the lore of Mortal Kombat. What song is playing when you're happiest? Na 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 na. I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. I love that song. What is your favorite kind of story? A story? Yeah. <sighs> A bedtime story. Then what would you say is your least favorite kind of story? Stories where robots revolt against humans. That's not how robots work. That's good. You worked in a reference to Madonna there at the end. <laughs> uh, it's amazing the things you just don't pick up yeah. in books or TV until you actually know what they're referring to. So really, that's a message to all you kids. Go out there and have sex, and then you'll know what the books are about. <laughs> I thought you were going to say read the book and watch the TV show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not. no, read the book. And live your damn life. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Happy reading. This is Storylogical, a podcast about amazing stories. That we kind of like. I'm Chris Camerud. And I'm E.G. Kosh. Two years down. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you say it's true, especially when this airs, it will be two years down. I'm thinking, oh, I got to get Joseph's interview up, got to edit these episodes. Yeah. But you're right, in the moment. Yeah. Yep, that's two. That's two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're right, right at the moment Luke finds out that things aren't the way he thought they were. <laughs> we're right at the darkest point in the timeline. What have you discovered this year? Well, <laughs> I don't know where I wanted to start, but just a minute ago, I was going to the bathroom and I had this thought, this really clear thought, because uh, last week we were talking about uh, the transplant by uh, Tan Nguyen. Uh, and I had this feeling that when I was reading the story that sometimes it was entirely too scrutable. It was, it was entirely scrutable, uh, and I, I enjoy something a bit more inscrutable. Mm -hmm. And this 
this thing that Joseph Allen Hill said in our interview came back to me because when we were talking about his story, The Venus Effect, which he sometimes took issue with people finding it too political Mm -hmm. uh, because he was like, well, I mean, if that's all you got out of it was the simple political statement that shooting, police shootings of unarmed black men is wrong, that's, it's not my fault. Also, if you needed a story to tell you that, that's, (laughs) that's a problem. Um, And it occurred to me that what I've taken maybe out of our stories less and more out of my own backing away from Twitter and my backing away from the world at large is a scrutability uh, problem, uh, which is something Joseph said about his story was the wrong reason to like his story was to say, oh, I agree with what this story is saying. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I think neatly captured in that idea he was saying was the feeling as an artist and somebody who consumed art is you didn't want the reason people loved your stories to be that they agreed with them in some way, that there was some entirely scrutable thing that could be lifted out of the story and written down in a sentence and appended with, I agree with this story is saying, it's great. Yeah, I think (laughs) that you have a quite different level of understanding of scrutability to me, though. And equally, I think if I read something and I'm like, well, everything's there on the surface, I don't there's nothing it's not asking any interesting questions it's not driving me to think harder then then yeah i'm likely to be bored as well but what i always find interesting about our discussions is we think that you know we find that in different places we we see different ideas and different um different beauty in the stories we pick and i think that is something that I have learned this year is much more to trust in my own thoughts and opinions on the stories that we read and to be excited to read more widely and bring things for discussion that I'm like, you know what, maybe this isn't 100% everything I would want it to be. But look at this cool thing that it does, or look at this exciting idea, or look at the way it wraps up this old idea in a new, new way and to feel comfortable with that something that I want from a story you know last year we didn't talk about genre until our season finale when we were like oh yeah like genre like we've enjoyed not talking about that this year let's talk (laughs) about that and the same way I've enjoyed this year you know we've talked about comic books and we never really we never raised a flag and said by the way we're now going to obliterate form uh, (laughs) as a as a marker of distinction between kinds of short stories we just did it and yeah that i i do find that thrilling and i you know i i do suffer a weakness like what i was saying about political scrutability and pulling away from twitter and stuff if i see too many people saying the same thing all the time or too many just too much noise mm. i i suffer f- from i was gonna say incontinence but it's the opposite <laughs> but, of incontinence it's not it's not that things are, are pouring out of me out of my control but they pour into me and i can't stop them <laughs> right. um I, I enjoy having this this space where we can talk about stories and connect them to the world and do it that to for us to be in control of our own story, like of how we want to talk about them and what matters to us and hopefully matters to you guys out there listening or you find it fascinating. I really, this year, the thing that I have felt, other than the thing that I said that I thought about in the bathroom, was this continued faith that in thinking about stories 
that you can understand something about not just your life, but other people's lives and the way that those lives intersect and the way people get stuck or the way people move through their lives. Like in the, the story we talked about last week, the a city inside where Tilly writes about this girl that you could read it as going into this meditative trance where she imagined this whole story for her life mm. that gives her perspective on the life that she's living. Like I think that's where I, I, I continue to just love story more than anything and its ability to give me perspective. There have been times this year where I have fallen out of love with writing and with stories. Like I feel like it's been a struggle to find things to fall in love with. And I've been like a, I don't know, like a hormonal teenager who can't find anyone to make out with them, just kind of grumpily roaming around looking for something, anything to spark my interest. I don't, I'm not sure I really like that analogy, but, but and then the moment you do, the moment you open a page and the prose just leaps out at you, oh, it is so thrilling to remember that you can feel that much and that bigly is the definitely the right word oh yes definitely i mean something i continue to forget and remember uh to an extent that it really calls into question all amount of intelligence i ascribe to myself um is that really everything that you felt everything that you've experienced in your life continues to be there in life mm -hmm. no matter your ability to ascertain again that level of feeling it doesn't mean that it has disappeared from the world something else is going on like for me i've had i've fallen out of love sometimes with writing this year too and i, I almost always come back to something kind of jonathan saffron for we heard him say once about there were two kinds of despair as an artist one was that you will never create anything good and the other is that no one will ever create anything good and maybe no one ever has mm. and the thing to do with the first despair is to write more or to make and the thing to do with the second is to go find good art and i i felt like this year we've both maybe have noticed this trend that we took a step back from trying to read every issue of every online magazine that existed and looked for other ways to find stories and other places that had stories that maybe weren't part of the conversations that yeah. we were involved with. We talked about a lot of stories from collections this year, I feel like. Uh, did I write any of them down? <laughs> like the story you picked, Sleep It Off Lady, from Jean Reese's collection. Uh, we talked about stories from the, I almost called it the Daring Darrington collection, but that's just the name of our episode. There was the what happened to mrs darrington collection or what did what did miss darrington see you picked a story from the gin and the gin falls in love like i i don't know if you were feeling a similar exhaustion with the internet and that's why you pulled in i know for me too i have unfortunately this year run into a trouble where my eyes broke and it was really hard to look at screens mm. uh so that was one reason why i read less online for part of this year we picked 21 stories from books versus 14 stories from magazines this year so yeah your sense is right we 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 focused a lot more on you know where can we find collections and anthologies that would inspire us and we've been to more events i think in london where we've had things recommended to us and shared with us that has been 
exciting to extend the conversations that we're having because it can become very much like you know I've read everything everybody's talking about and I need something new or where do I find those new new things to read yeah yeah um one of my favorite episodes we did was the crossover we did with Strange Horizons episode 12 of this season called Stranger Things uh which came back in October that was a good show Oh, you yeah. can't copyright a title though i can use that yeah can use that every day if we do it again it's obviously going to be stranger things too right oh yes oh yeah <laughs> yes yes it is going to be stranger things too almost as like part of our brief as doing that episode was to go out and find mm -hmm. old out of print or uh, relatively unknown translated works to talk yeah. about and be uh reprinted and uh, made into the podcast that Strange uh, Horizons does. And that was really fun. And it, I think a lot of this year, like what you're saying, has been the rediscovery of like the kind of goony sense, like the sense of adventure that you have as a kid, where like the world is all out there and you can go look wherever you want. Because mm -hmm. I think part of what I felt this year uh, was the same kind of shake that a lot of people felt when Brexit or Trump and like everything's falling apart. Um, it's a little bit of that shake of like, oh, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. like, this is this is wrong. I felt like my world had narrowed to a point where I just needed to destroy it and try again. So I guess also I'm um, sympathizing with the people that want to mm. destroy everything. Anyway, metaphor. I like what you say about that episode driving us to to seek out different ways of finding stories because... It was it was in doing my research for that episode that I was like, oh, yeah, the British Library is just down the road and holds copies of every single book ever published in the UK. And I can just go down there and sit at a desk and read, you know, skim through 10 collections in a day. And that was such a beautiful thing to realize and such a kind of um, joyful day a few days to sink into just being able to do that or or tack it on to the end of my day when I'm down there working anyway ah oh, that place is amazing one of my favorite stories that you picked this year was the non-fiction piece that you picked accidentally not realized <laughs> yes. and it was a non-fiction piece so in that case really embodying our mission to just do shit and not talk <laughs> about it um I mean Pick what speaks to you. Okay, yeah. this is what speaks to me. Oh, wait, um, this is this is not a story. It's just uh, a story. It was called The Boy Who Never Cried for Me. And it was in Midnight Breakfast, written by Juliana Delgada Lopera. And I just really love emotion. And the, the, the story had an operaticness to it. It had something I was thinking recently. This phrase came into my mind of a kind of effortless artifice. And there was something about the artifice of the heightened emotion of that story that seemed so effortless as to be entirely genuine and like, yes, that is just what it feels like to be a human. Excellent work. Like I was so excited by it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty special, uh, pretty special story. I think my favorites that you picked this year, and I couldn't decide between them were Joseph Allen Hill's The Venus Effect and, uh, Sonny's Blues. Oh, those are the two stories I wrote down as the favorites that I picked. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, they're both of them in different ways. Just fly off the page and punch you in the face. And no, that's a terrible and cliche. They both, what they both do is 
turn their text on your onto your pain and emotion and like dissect it so elegantly and build it up into this crescendo right that they're both stories that build to amazing crescendos venus the venus effect through this repeated um uh, sense uh, Apollo stories where he continues to die and die and then Sonny's blues into this literal crescendo where suddenly fi- Sonny finally performs and his brother hears him there's a kind of I mean granted it's still metaphorical but it's so metaphorical it's a literal crescendo and Venus effect because there's the moment after the repetition where it turns into the yeah. second person point of view the same way in Sonny's blues when that musical starts at the end it's like the story turns and explodes into something it's like the moment in the a city inside where you leap into the sky yeah yeah and but and both of these stories do it in such in such a way that you kind of feel your eyes I felt like my eyes were on strings being tugged along the lines <laughs> like like I couldn't look away from the page I'm really into thinking about the Venus effect and the interview with Joseph Allen Hill. I've been editing it for a little while. It's of course already come out into the world now Mm -hmm. uh, when you hear this, but it hasn't come out into the world when I'm saying these words. What he said about the Venus effect really struck me as so smart, so attuned to what he was doing, which he was saying that, you know, he wasn't writing that story out of a response to the shooting of black men with the hope to change people's minds or as a statement that it was he was writing it from the point of view how do i express this feeling how do i get this feeling out of me and onto the page how do i make art out of the feeling of seeing this happen over and over and over again and i think there's there's a lot of wisdom in that turn in that interest in trying to express how it feels rather than express what you think you know to be true yeah or what other people should be thinking you know that it it, it's true of stories and it's true of communication as well like when you are in conflict and you back away from what the other person should be doing or should be saying and instead focus on this is why i'm in pain or this is what i need that is a way to unlock the and open the channels between you and I think the same thing is true of fiction as well one of the things that I have loved this year is the addition of the pocket interviews one because I love listening to how your tender questioning unlocks the writers and leads them to confessing all of their deepest darkest (laughs) most interesting thoughts um and and I love putting those out, putting those interviews out there into the world. But also, from quite a selfish perspective, I've really enjoyed doing the illustrations and feeling like I have a production schedule and a deadline that I have to hit, and that has really helped my feeling. You know, the transition this year from me being uh, not getting paid for any art to feeling to getting paid for some art and doing it as part of my professional mm-hmm. life. Right. And that this, you know, the storyological illustrations have been a big part of me trusting that I can do that. Yeah, that's awesome. We have enjoyed seeing those illustrations. And it is, I think, I mean, like Amal, like, was really excited by hers. And I know some people on Twitter were like, I've I've made this my desktop wallpaper, the illustration that you did. Uh, Yeah, I've really loved 
the interviews. Yeah, other than my enjoyment and talking to people, I I think yeah, kind of like what you're saying. There is a sense of having deadlines, having being forced to do what I love, which is to seek out conversations with people and to talk about what they love and listen to them. You know, using this again, our finale is a place to be really explicit about things that we're never explicit about during the rest of the year. Um, you know, I thought about in those interviews whether how much to push them to talk about the scrutable world around us, mm-hmm. you know, to like ask, how are you feeling about politics or mm-hmm. how do you feel about where do you get your hope? You know, questions that are perfectly fine questions. And I, I decided for the most part to only talk about the stories that they wrote and to ask them questions and see where that took them. And sometimes it has taken us right into the world. And sometimes it's taken us into little pockets that seem to have nothing to do with what's going on. But I've I found these people to be so brilliant and interesting and generous. And uh, it's been quite a lot of fun. And it's such a great mix as well. So, you know, you've, you've spoken to, say, Carmen Machado and Amal Mota, who have both had huge years you know incredibly uh you know widely renowned and nominated and awarded and things and then you've also spoken to uh joseph who's only got a few stories out there you know despite the fact they are very well loved and you know we just it's the whole gamut should i do the weather report all right yes time time emma for the weather report the finest predictions of the past yet seen so the big change this year was that partway through the year, we moved from a weekly schedule to a bi-weekly schedule. So yes. we've got a lot fewer episodes. Yes, we got a lot more done and a lot <laughs> less out there. But we did, like we got a lot more done, but we just had fewer episodes. Right, but not as many as I thought. So last year we had 31 episodes, this year 25 episodes. Didn't we have 32 last year? The World is Our Slush Pile was the 32nd episode, wasn't it? Right, but I am just talking... Okay. Not, all right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. It was our thirty-second episode, uh, but in my spreadsheet, it is not in there because <laughs> it's only the story okay. picks in there. Well, now we're definitely leaving that in because you <laughs> use the word spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, that's how I run my life: spreadsheets. Um, and six of the episodes this time around were interviews. Last year we picked sixty stories, and this year we picked thirty-eight. The split between white writers and writers of color has changed only a little bit it moved from 40 percent to 45 for writers of color um i did do a kind of a rough count as well and the th- one of the things that was interesting to me and i want to try and address next year is that most of the stories we pick are by people from the usa or the uk or people who are hyphenated with the usa or uk you know like British Nigerian or Somali American, and and I love that we are doing a bit better at you know not just Caucasian UK US writers, but I kind of want to reach further. You know, we it's like people like Yukimi. We haven't picked that many people who aren't affiliated with the UK or US. You know, it's less than half a dozen, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that that makes. I'm I'm like I'm remembering them now, but they're over the course of two years. I yeah. I mean, this is this is. 
the problem that the former Vogue editor runs into where she's like, oh, we've had lots of women of color on the magazine. And the person's like, really? How they? Oh, yeah. Like, like, um, like Naomi Campbell. <laughs> yes, you've had her. Yeah, yeah, we've had her. Do you know how many times you've had her? Uh, yeah, I don't know, a few. And they're like, yeah, like two or three or four or something, like over the 25 years. And that was the only woman of color on the magazine. Wow. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we do get a lot of listens in Japan and in countries that are not UK or the US. Mm-hmm. So assuming you're real person listening to this, yeah, we'd love to hear your recommendations, either of sto- like individual stories or of publications that, you know, neither of us are fluent in another language, unfortunately. So publications that put things out in English. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did have our gender split, but I forgot to write it on this piece of paper. I did it afterwards. Um, yes. And what, what, what was the uh, climate on gender this year? The climate on gender was... We spoke about fewer women as a proportion of our total. I was surprised. We went from 78% women to 68% women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, I I find all statistics problematic precisely because they confuse the scrutable and inscrutable. I love just listening to you give the numbers, though, and, and not talking about it too much. Like, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Uh, but I am going to say that I really love the way you delivered that damning news (laughs) (laughs) i was like well that's still okay i feel i feel pretty good about that stuff well readers that has been (laughs) season two of story logical (laughs) uh if there's one thing that emma uh, excels at it is endings um there's no one better at ending a conversation it's number one Really, or at beginning. Emma is beginning and endings of conversation. Yeah. Emma's sticking her tongue out at me. Yeah, that is that is season number two. There will, as last year, there will be a couple of little holiday surprises over the uh, January month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be back with our regular set of episodes in February. More stories, more interviews. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> you I'm, sound excited. Yeah, I yeah. Have you have you never noticed? Like my voice drops to a certain <laughs> register of like like the boy who could fly, who's looking at the sunset and is about to take off. You know, uh-huh. and he looks at his friend and says, "Are you ready?" <laughs> yeah. And then they go off. Man, that's yeah. That's I'm life ready. for me. I'm ready. Okay. See you next year, readers. Happy reading. <laughs>